game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Kept in by Yamamoto. He'll get to the middle. Down to Kane. To Dreisaitl scores! Leon Dreisaitl! One-timer! And the Oilers are up! I can't decide if that was the best game I've ever seen or the worst game I've ever seen. Leon Dreisaitl scores in the final minute. The Oilers get three in the third, and they beat the Chicago Blackhawks 6-5 to win their third in a row. They're now 5-3 on the season. They end the Blackhawks' four-game winning streak. A wild, at times sloppy, at times undisciplined, at times controversial game. The Oilers figure it out in the end. By the way, Connor McDavid got a hat trick. His 12th in the regular season. And the Oilers are 2-0 to start their three-game road trip. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown for Hartland Ford. Overtime open line. Well, that was quite an affair, wasn't it? That's why we watch, because you never know. You never know when you sit down to watch a sporting event what you're going to get. We got a lot in that one. We did, and, and at times it felt like you were watching a, a minor hockey game where there's lots of mistakes, lots of penalties. Uh, the referee misses something. Yeah, he sees it differently than you do. Uh, but all in all, it was, at the end of the day, entertaining. It was exciting, and, and the Oilers showed that they can win different styles of hockey game. I don't know if they're going to be excited with a lot of their game tonight, but they're certainly going to be happy with the fact that they were able to score six goals, battle back from being down a few times, and then when Chicago comes back and gets a big goal late in the game from Patrick Kane, they pushed again. And uh, there were some pretty plays, some pretty goals, some ugly plays, some ugly goals. But at the end of the day, it's two points on the road and back-to-back -back wins to start this road trip. The Japanese Village goal light is on on 630Ched.com. We activate it whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. So head to our website, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today, jvedmonton.ca. The Oilers were 3-for-7 on the power play. Chicago was 2-for-10. The teams combined for 14 minor penalties in the second period, 9 by Edmonton, 5 by Chicago. Not all of them resulted in power plays, but a lot of them did. The most times shorthanded the Oilers have ever been in a game is 12. It happened twice in the 05-06 season. On three other occasions, the Oilers have been shorthanded 11 times. So this is the sixth most time shorthanded the Oilers have ever been in a game. So they actually win the special teams battle <laughs> after all that. Uh, Nugent Hopkins' goal in the first minute of the third was a power play goal. That tied at 4-4. McDavid's hat trick goal with 9.44 left. That was a power play goal. That made it 5-4 at the time. So the Oilers figured it out to get the victory. Well, let's just, we'll start with the game winner and then slowly go through all the other stuff we got to talk about. Dreisaitl gets his fourth of the season on his 27th birthday and the assists go to Kane and Yamamoto. Well, good players make mistakes. And, and that play right there, uh, Taves 
Jonathan Taves has a wonderful opportunity to get the puck out of the zone and just turns it over. He was pressed a little bit by Yamamoto, and he turns it over, and all of a sudden, Yamamoto, Kane find Drysaddle back door, and Leon had probably four great chances, great looks from his spot that he likes one time in the puck from, and he missed the net twice, and the goalie made a save once. This one, he made no mistake, and what I liked about it, sometimes when you miss the net on a one-timer, it's because you're aiming. You're trying to pick a corner. And this one, Leon Dreisaitl is just trying to hit the net. And on a backdoor one-timer, normally the net is open enough that if you hit the net, you score. He did. But it was a great play. Nice tenacity by Yamamoto to create the turnover by Jonathan Taves. Dreisaitl finishes. And what could have got <laughs> even uglier for the Edmonton Oilers had it gone into overtime, they are able to secure the the victory in regulation and score a, a really pretty goal to, to win the hockey game for them. So Yamamoto gets an assist on the game winner, but I set the line before the game at .5 for goals by Yamamoto based on Stoff's prediction that Yamamoto would score tonight. So it's under for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. Ace is the winner of a $50 River Cree Resort and Casino gift card. He texted in and took the under. All right. You can chime in at 780-496-0063. We have a lot of other moments and plays and decisions to discuss, but let's go back to Chicago. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I thought we started the game well, um, and then it became a lot of penalties, and uh, I thought our penalty kill uh, competed hard, and uh, our power play got the job done, and found a way to, to get two points on a, on the road, and we'll we'll bank them and move on. What's to say about your team's versatility? You had such a tight checking game last night. You win that, and now you win this pond hockey here tonight. Yeah, well, it wasn't exactly our script. It's not how we wanted to win. In the game um, but in the end uh, we found a result and I, I would use that word resilient uh, didn't go perfectly for us we found ourselves down at different times there was emotion uh, in that game um, but our players dug in when it mattered and and uh, found a way to win didn't give up and we played the full 60 minutes and that's what it took tonight for us to get the win so 14 minor penalties in the second period what did you make of that yeah I mean less than ideal <laughs> Um, you know, not all ours, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was tough to keep everybody kind of involved. There was some guys got taken out of the uh, the game a little bit. We got them back up and running in the third period there, but um, you know, there was uh, you know, it was tough for a flow. Yeah. yeah. Jay, how would you kind of describe that situation with Kane, the disallowed goal? How would you, as a from a coach's perspective, describe that? Play? Um, you know, I, uh, I would say that, you know, the way I saw it was, um, you know, it was called a goal on the ice, uh, and then the scrum came together, and then it was called a uh, no goal. Um, we thought that uh, the goaltender had time after our player was pushed into the goaltender. We thought the goaltender had time to reset. He made a save, and um, it was my call to make uh, whether a challenge I thought it was worth the risk I thought it was a good goal and uh, it didn't go our way and that's the way it goes and for Jenner Kane you, you go right back to him and you decide after that after those minor penalties you just go right back to him and he comes up there yeah you know what uh, you know 
thing I want Evander to realize is that uh, you know his coaching staff has his back, his teammates have his back, and um, you know I didn't know what happened there, uh, you know, on the bench, the bench call, uh, or why that happened, um, but I knew that uh, we needed to get him back up and running in the game, and that he's an important piece to our team, and um, it brought our team together, and eventually he made the play on the winning goal. Yeah, he had a bunch of penalties in this game, and you could say that some of them were undisciplined for sure, uh, but that's what a coach has to do, is find the right time to believe in his player, and that's what yeah. you do tonight. I wanted to show trust in our player. Like I said, I don't know what happened on that bench call, um, and, you know, for me, um, I wanted him to feel the belief that, that the staff has in him, that his teammates have in him, but I also know that uh, we weren't going to win the game from the penalty box. So in between the second and third period, the group had a good chat about what it was going to take to uh, to win the game and bank the two points. We were, we were quite um, understanding that the night hadn't gone according to script, but that we felt it was a winnable game and, and our players stuck with it. And it's a credit to our players. They did come together uh, under tough circumstances. They found a way to win a game on the road. Two road games, two very different road games and, yeah. and you know, hard building to win in, in St. Louis and then whatever this was tonight. I mean, that's a pretty good. Yeah, I mean, give credit to the Chicago Blackhawks too. They've won four games in a row. They hadn't lost in this building. Um, I don't think our team was caught by surprise by the work ethic that that team was going to display. Um, in the end, probably not according to script, but we did get the job done and, and we'll take these two points and move on, uh, move on to Calgary. Good, thanks guys. All right, that's Jay Woodcroft, Oilers coach, after a 6-5 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. So the NHL has put out a little statement on the Evander Kane goalie interference situation that happened uh, with 4.07 left in the second period. Here's what the NHL posted on its website. After originally, signal after originally signaling a goal, the on-ice officials huddled and changed their call to no goal. Video review supported the call on the ice that the actions of Edmonton's Evander Kane impaired the ability of Chicago goaltender Alex Stalock to play his position. The decision was made in accordance with Rule 69.1, which states goals should be disallowed if an attacking player, either by his positioning or by contact, impairs the goalkeeper's ability to move freely within his crease or defend his goal. So there we go. They did put out an explanation yep. and they referred to the rule. So, so they're saying, so they're, they're, they're really not referring to how Kane wound up in the crease. No, but in my mind. Well, no, but they must be alluding to the fact that it wasn't a malicious part on the Chicago Blackhawk player because if you're hammered into the goaltender, that's not on you. So the way they're saying he he stopped the goalie from doing what he wanted to do because he went in to where he wasn't supposed to be. So they're saying that he went in a little too easy. And I'm reading that to say that they think he didn't get up fast enough. Well, it could be that too. And I believe that. I see that part and he as did, well. I mean, he kind of swiped at his blocker as he was getting up. I mean, he was being cheeky about it. Yep. But again, I thought he was hit in by... Like, I I think he was hit in by Jones. I know you don't agree with well, me. Well, he I was bumped in, but he, he, he fell because he wanted to fall. Uh, Evander Kane is not getting... He's a big, strong man. How often do you see Evander Kane fall down? And Jones on that one 
did, he nudged him. He did not hammer him, did not cross-check him. He nudged him. That was his choice. Oh, I think he hit him pretty hard. Jones is pretty yeah. big. He came, no. he came, he was, came, kind not of came up under him and hit, not him, a, hit him. Not a chance. Not a chance. But then why would Kane think he's going to get away with it, though, if he's falling into Cause it? Because a player, we think, oh, you pump me, I'm going to fall on the goalie. <laughs> so we do it on purpose. I've done it many times. I've been penalized for it, got beat up for it, but you know what you're doing. Every player in the National Hockey League knows what he's doing at all times. Well, I, true. And he knew he... Watch the video over and over again. Evander Kane, I don't know what the word is, embellished, but he... He purposely, accidentally fell on top so of the goal. he knew the angle Jones hit him at. He's like, oh, I can fall into the goal. Oh, yeah. Try to get I away mean, with it. So Jones if he did not. Got hit, so if he would have got hit from the other side, he wouldn't have fallen or from the no, side. No, not even close. Jones barely touched him. Barely touched him. And I have nothing against what Kane did. Guys do it all the time. But on that case, eventually he got a, the puck and was able to put the puck in the empty net. And that where that's where the referee said, okay, you know what? We let the bump go, right? But now we're not. You're not going to be rewarded with a goal. So I thought the referees made the right call, and I talked to Bob about it. Bob agreed on that one too. So that to me, we're we're both cheering and hoping that the Oilers win. But f in fairness, I thought that that was the right call by the referee. So the Oilers, so the so the officials, so the NHL said yes. They originally called it a goal. I don't mind them huddling. No, I think that's right. The like, right thing and, to do. And plus, when the whenever the puck crosses the goal line. The ref should point at the net just to acknowledge, okay, the puck yep. crossed the line before the whistle, but there might be something else going on. Well, I, I guess I, it's the back referee is the one that decided that. Because the way that the front referee, he, he, he pointed a couple times, and he's like, that's in. And the, he was down there the whole time that the goaltender was and Kane were, were, were wrestling there on the ice. He felt it was fine. So I believe it was the back referee when they huddled said, you know what, I think that this was a little more deliberate and I don't think it should be a goal. So the other ref said, okay, we'll go with that. And if they want to challenge, then we'll watch it on video and listen to Toronto. So the, the Oilers then challenged for goalie interference. I don't have a problem with the challenge. I heard Neither Bob I. saying that they shouldn't have challenged. I, I think, why not challenge it? I agree. Now, and Chicago scored on the ensuing power play, which was a five on three because Kane was called for yapping off from the bench. Which was wrong on Kane's part. So, I mean, I, I said to Bob, I, it, for me, if I'm a player, I want my coach to challenge it because I want him to believe, A, that that should have been a goal, and you believe what I'm trying to do in front of the net, and B, if it doesn't go our way, you have faith in our penalty killing to get it done. And I believe the penalty killing would have got it done, but then Kane took an extra penalty. A five on three with, with Patrick Kane on the other side usually is not going to end up in, in your favor. So uh, I thought there was a right call by the referee, and I also thought it was a right call by Jay Woodcroft. All right, so the Oilers pull it out 6-5. They were down 2-1 after one, down 4-3 after two. They went ahead 5-4. Patrick Kane tied it with 3-11 left. Leon wins it with 37.6 ticks on the clock. McDavid with the hat trick is the first star. Dreisaitl, the game winner, is the second star. Patrick Kane, the third star. We give out the fourth star for Jandell Holmes, Alberta's premier modular home retailer. Uh, well, a lot of guys got... Uh, I mean, Nugent Hopkins had a goal and two assists. Pretty good night. We can give it to Nugent tonight. I mean, he had an off night. He didn't score the game winner tonight like he had the previous two games. But uh, RNH, I think he's finding a very comfortable spot playing left wing in the top six. I think Ryan McLeod becoming the third line center has helped the offensive totals for RNH getting to play with either Connor or Leon, whichever night it is. There were 64 faceoffs in this game. 
Drysaddle took 27 of them, <laughs> one 14 for 52 percent. So, yeah. well, there's so many penalty kills that they had, and he takes almost all the ones on the left side that he can, and then he had to take it when they were down five on three. So, uh, Leon was a busy guy tonight, as actually. All the Oilers specialty team players were very busy tonight. Yeah, Drysdale winds up playing 22:07. The uh, ice time leader for the Oilers tonight was Darnell Nurse, 24:44. They figure it out 6-5. Last minute goal by Dreisaitl to get the win. We're happy to hear from you, 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Dreisaitl as well. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Jonathan Tapes have scored for Chicago. Down the right side, here's Dry Settle into the Hawks end on the right wing. Back to the blue line to Barry. Across to Nurse. He'll shoot it. Saved by Staylock. Don't think he saw it. And then Evander Kane gets knocked into Staylock by Seth Jones. Crowd reacts. Shot from the point. Here's Kane. Scores! Evander Kane! He got the rebound. Puts it by Staylock. And the Oilers are up 4-3. The call on the ice is no goal. All right, there's the sequence we were talking about. That is the crunch of the game for Cougar Payton Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years and counting. Just a crazy game. Oilers win 6-5. McDavid a hat-trick. Dreisaitl the winner in the final minute. Nugent Hopkins and Hyman also scored. Hyman opened the scoring way back at 10:29 of the first period. So that is the brief summary tonight. I'm sure you have a lot to talk about. We have goalie Greg on the line at 780-496-0063. Goalie Greg, go ahead. Hey guys, I have a question and then I want to actually have two questions. So first question, uh, was it McDavid's choice to serve the Campbell penalty for delay a game? Yeah, it sure looked like it. <laughs> yeah, well they had to pick somebody on the ice. That's good leadership if, if he volunteered for that. I like that. Um, Anyway, the other one I just wanted to say was um, for all the fans out there that are complaining year in, year out, oh, just call the rule book, just call the rule book. Well, guess what? This is what games are going to look like if they do that consistently, which, which, you know, it was an entertaining game. But that being said, the rule you guys just read from the NHL um, about the Kane goal, yeah. okay, I, I don't know how long that rule has been there or how long it has been there, if it's just uh, added or revamped or whatever, reworded. Where was that in the 2016 series against Anaheim? Well, sure. I mean, that was that was a mistake. I mean, we can't we can't go back and fix that. I know what you're saying. There, I mean, there were, like I said, 17 power plays, a lot of them were penalties. Yep. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> not mean, like there was some ticky-tack ones. They're, they were calls. They were the right calls. Um, there, there were. A, there's always some where you think, okay, would that be called every single night? But I don't know. The momentum was there were a lot of penalties in the game. And like you said, Kane mouthed off. You got to know better. Uh, Kane got four minutes for cross-checking. And he, he got six. Yeah, he deserved uh, the four there. Uh, no, and it, yeah, I agree. And Holloway got penalties. He first came back, was a little over, a little overexcited, took a couple stick infractions. Uh, but it was a very disjointed hockey game. But once again, games where the referees are part of the big part of the game, where there's lots of penalties called, that benefits the Edmonton Oilers. When you have the best power play, you want a game with lots of power plays. And tonight, the power plays came through for the Edmonton Oilers in the third period. All right, we got Mike on the line as well. Mike, go ahead. Hey, how are you guys? Good. 
Thank you. I just wanted to make a little comment on on the Kane goal. I understand the rulings and uh, and the way uh, that they decipher it. But if you really look closely and do it frame by frame, in actuality, the goaltender took out Kane's right skate as he was being pushed into the goalie. So he was actually tripped. I never, I never noticed that that closely. We'll have to go back and and look. So, having said all of that, you, there's a lot of things you can find in a slow motion replay that the referee can't see. But yeah, well, on video review they can. But are they? But what are they looking for? Are they looking for that though? Well, or are they looking for? They or if they, for but if but if they're looking for him not getting off him in time? Yeah, I I, I don't think that they could. Yeah, I've seen what Mike is talking about. I don't. I don't think that they could call that as in, in any way intentional or, or anything like that. No. But I, but again, I I personally think that they said Kane didn't get up. Now, see, he kind of rakes at Staylock's blocker. To me, that's to me that's why they called it off. It could be. See, that's where I do wish that they would come right out and say it. And it'd be even like it's it's cool they cite the rule and we yes. know where to go look in the rule book. But, but I, it'd be it'd be interesting to say. At this point, well, if they had a video and they say, at this point, right here, Evander this Kane is the, this is the doesn't infraction. get up and he pushes down on the block, anything, just so that you know. And I think it's better for the fans. I think it's better for the media. And it, in the long run, it's better for the referees because now you're seeing exactly what the referee is calling instead of us sitting here guessing. Yeah. Anyway, the controversial play, the goalie interference, I think there's there will always be debate. That one was close enough. If it would have counted... I think Chicago would have challenged. Yep, and I maybe, agree. And maybe they wouldn't have changed the call if Chicago nope, had challenged if they put a goal on the ice. So yep. some of those, uh, you know, <laughs> well, I'm pretty I'm sure to that discuss it, but I, I respect that that's a difficult decision yeah. for, for referees. And it's funny, I, I guarantee you that Luke Richardson thought he was going to be challenging that when the referees oh, then, sure. then the yeah. referees have their huddle and all of a sudden, what, whoa, 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 hey, we want a challenge now. So it is kind of funny how that changed. That was a quick change for Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving to and from the game. Visit your local Jiffy Lube today. We got to get the news and weather in here if you're on hold. Stay there, we'll get to you. You'll hear from Dreisaitl and Campbell. Oilers win 6-5. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Off the draw, puck in the Oiler end on the blue line. McCabe to Caleb Jones, goes towards the net, in front of the net. Oh, what a save by Campbell! Absolutely robs Kirishev. Well, he gave up five, but he made 33 stops, and several of them were very good. That's Jack Campbell's save of the game for Crystal Glass. Call 310-GLASS or visit crystalglass.ca. Back to Chicago. Here's Campbell. You know, we stuck with it and came away with, you know, Chicago's playing really well right now, and uh, it's a tough game, but great to get two points. The last time you had a pond hockey game like that? I'm not sure right now. I'm catching my breath, but the boys play great and, uh, you know, fun game for the fans and great for us to get two points. It's not often you take 10 penalties and win a hockey game. So it's just, what are you saying from this group in the time that you've been here? They've had a couple of these games where they've persevered. 
I mean, it's impressive. You know, we just never get down. We, um, you know, might get down on the scoreboard, but we're still high spirits. And guys just kind of uh, pull each other along and uh, find a way to grind out a really solid two points. The big, you know, you play a tight 60-minute close game last night against a big, grindy team. This is the complete opposite. And you managed to win both games. That's what say your team is versatile. Or what do you think? We're finding a way to win right now, and that's the most important thing. You know, Pittsburgh, uh, St. Louis, and Chicago, you know, all three teams are playing really well, and uh, it's big to find uh, two road wins to start the trip. Jack, when you see that game evolving like it did from the crease, what, how do you view your role and maybe just how you're, you have to be one of the, the best penalty killers for the team? Yeah, just trying to make the next save. You know, you can't get too high and low. You know, it's just kind of going both ends back and forth, and uh, thankfully the guys played great, you know, scored a lot of goals, so it was uh, it was great, and just feels even better to get the win. So, uh, worried about the penalty killing today? I mean, they, they gave up two, but they were the stars of the game. I mean, we grinded it. You know, Chicago's got obviously some big dogs over there that looked really good out there, but our guys stuck with it. Um, had some huge blocks, just uh, just battled. So great, great win by the guys, and uh, we're ready to get out of here and go to Calgary. Oilers goalie Jack Campbell, 6-5. The Oilers get by the Blackhawks, Canucks, and Kraken, 3-3 in the third. Late second period, Sharks leading Toronto, 3-2. Also in the second, Jets and Kings are 3-3. The Canadians got a 3-2 win over the Sabres. Wild beat the Senators, 4-2. Philly knocks off Florida, 4-3. Boston is now 7-1. They beat Detroit, 5-1. Predators hammer the Blues 6-2, and the Stars, Jake Ottinger, the shutout. They beat the Capitals 2-0. Oil Kings lost 2-1 to Vancouver. And Thursday Night Football, Ravens over Tampa Bay 27-22. The scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer, looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Okay, 780-496-0063. We have Devin on the line. Go ahead, Devin. Hey, guys. How's it going? Quite well. Um, I just had a question. I know you guys are probably going to get hounded because of this play tonight but uh if what rob said is in fact true about the back ref making the decision why does the back ref make that decision instead of the ref that was actually beside the net okay now yeah first of all, i don't know if it was i'm guessing no, I know that. And, and it but, says, the NHL says the on-ice officials huddled. So, so that includes yeah. the linesman. No, the, so, so, one, so one of them would have had to have said, because to me, the one referee down by the goal line said goal. So someone mm. else on the ice had to have said non-goal. And my guess is it would be the back referee because he would have more um, power. I don't know if that's the word than the two linesmen. The back referee has a bigger view of everything. Sometimes, mm. you'll see a lot of times where a, a penalty will be called, a guy will get tripped in the corner right beside the ref and the close ref doesn't call it because sometimes the play is so fast around him that he can't pick it up where the back ref has this entire view. It's like when you watch an Oilers game, if you're sitting in the first row, the game is really, really fast. You're sitting in the press box, it's slow. And that's what it's like for the back ref. So sometimes the back ref sees things that may be closer to the other referee, but he just has a better view and the play seems to be slower for him. I do like the fact that the four refs huddled because the, the, the key thing is to get the right call. So they all huddled. The two linesmen will be involved with the talking at that point, and they'll all discuss what do you see. And at that point, uh, probably the majority and whoever has the most decisive, no, I'm 100% sure, 
will make the call and then they'll allow the either coach to decide if they want to challenge it and then the referees with video replay and Toronto will get a much better view and a be much better decision. Yeah, it's a, I think that's an excellent question by Devin yep. and you you gave a great example, Rob. It's frustrating sometimes that there's a trip five oh, yeah. from a guy and he doesn't make the call, but you're right. It is about getting it right. I know sometimes as fans if you're emotional about it or, or you're not sure about the call yourself, or not I mean, you and me too. It's sometimes it's frustrating to see the referees huddle in any sport because you think, well, it's their job to call it. Just call it. Just make a call. You saw it. But, you know, maybe, and who knows? Maybe, even maybe the down low official says signals and then he, go, he maybe initiated and says, look, I pointed, but I saw a lot of contact there. What did you guys see? Yep. How did Kane wind up in the net? You know, may, maybe he didn't quite glimpse that. And then one of the two linesmen or the other ref can say, hey, I think he went down pretty easy. Well, and yeah. the referees at the end of the day, they want to get the right call because there's video replay. And if they make a wrong call, it's going to be over and over and over again. And the players are, next period will come out in the next game. You messed up. We got video replay of your mess up. So the referees always want to make the right call. So if it takes a little bit longer sometimes to get the call made, if it takes a huddle, good. They're getting it made that way. So uh, the referees made what they thought was the right call and then got reaffirmed by Toronto looking at the video. Evander Kane right in the middle of that play. Here he is. Well, I think the intensity probably ramped, ramped up actually as the game went on, but um, yeah, it was it was uh, it seemed like every period it was like a different game, so uh, it was a unique night. Yeah. What did they? The league obviously reviewed in Toronto your goaltender interference play. Uh, you clearly felt it wasn't goaltender interference. Can you just give us that play? What happened here? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I think there was a point shot um, that I was in front of the net, out of the crease on. Uh, I kind of got uh, pitchforked into the goalie and I was trying to avoid him, obviously. Um, got up uh, with the help of their defenseman pulling me up, and then I went around the outside of the defenseman. There was another shot that came in, uh, saw the rebound, and I think he made the initial, initial save, and then he, I got the rebound, and he tried to stick his pad out and put it in the net. And, uh, all I can do is play until I hear a whistle. It's not a lot of flow in that second period. How do you guys kind of manage? I think we did a great job. You know, there was... Uh, um, like I said, it was a unique second period. Uh, we did a great job. We stuck with it. We come out. We got a power play goal uh, right at the start of the third to get us back in it. And um, we have some fortitude and some poise at the end uh, to uh, stay with it and, and get the win. And how much of that was tested on the second of back-to-backs? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, anytime you're playing back-to-backs, uh, it's it's a tough challenge. But it's great uh, to see that our team. We're going to St. Louis. Tough team. Tough building. Get a win. Um, and then with a the game the way it was played tonight. Uh, you know, to come out on top uh, and, like I said, sticking with it. Uh, that was great. Two completely different games, the one played last night the one played tonight, but you win them both. Does yeah. it tell you something positive about your team? For sure. I think we can adapt. Um, you know, there's a lot of adversity tonight. Um, and, uh, you know, credit to all the guys uh, for sticking together, um, battling to the very end, and, and uh, I think we feel pretty good about the win tonight. Right. That's Evander Kane after the Oilers win 6-5. I mean, he gave his version of the play. Of course, uh, he wasn't asked about the unsportsmanlike penalty. <laughs> Rob, um, when a player, and look, you and I have talked slash joked about this in our, in our years together, 
even the uh, most hardened person might be shocked by some of the profanity <laughs> in an NHL game. Not yeah. just in anger, just no. just in well, anything. It, it's but like the word the in, in the normal language <laughs> starts with an F in, right. in hockey. <laughs> So what what do you actually have to say <laughs> in general? Now we don't know what Kane said, but what actually usually would prompt uh, a referee to send someone off for unsportsmanlike? It would have to be. Uh, it wouldn't be just one thing. He, you know what? You could say something colorful like you messed up, and you could say it colorfully, and the ref will ignore it at first. But if it continues, then they'll they'll nail nail you on it. I know that Kerry Fraser when I was. I guess 16, 17, we had these little Hockey Alberta camps that we used to go to, and Kerry Fraser came and talked, and he said, when you're dealing with a referee, he said, you can come and say just about anything to me if you do it in a uh, quiet tone. If you walk up, skate up to me and said, you know what, you effing blah, 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 miss this, but you say it without being demonstrative, I will say, well, I disagree with you, and we'll move on. But he says, as soon as you make it a show, and as soon as you, now everybody knows that you're yelling at me. Everybody knows that you're swearing at me. Now I'm going to call you. So on that one where Kane is on the bench, the referee is out away from the bench. It's a show. It's like, okay, everyone around there knows that you're screaming. The other team knows it. The fans know it. Well, now I have no choice because now you've embarrassed me. So I think what happens is if, if you embarrass a referee, they're going to ding you up. And if he would have quietly, if Kane would have come up to him and said, you know what, I disagree with you, and he said it in really strong, colorful words, and then just skated away, the ref would have said, well, I, I disagree, and be done with it. But as soon as you make it into a show, the referee has no chance, but he has to make the call. Or... And I, and I, or there's, there's some words yes, that you can't say. Yes, there's some words that are, are excessive, but those actually just might be a misconduct. Um, so I think he's sending a message because they I, turned it into a five-on-three. Yes, and my experience, and I know this wasn't the NHL. It was university sports. But my experience courtside calling all those U of A basketball games, is, is, there's also a warning. Like I, sometimes the ref will say, okay, I heard you. Enough. Uh, enough. Yeah. And then you skate by again, and it's still you, blah 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 blah. Yeah, okay, absolutely. I, I, I just told you I don't. I I am trying not to give you a penalty. I just told you I should have already given you a penalty, but I didn't. What, so yeah. Stop, and then you keep going. Yeah, I'm so saying that you had your piece. You said yeah. your piece because referees understand that it's an emotional game, and when things go against you, you you get emotional, you get upset about it, and they'll let you have your piece. But then eventually, it's like, all right, you're done. And I've had refs come up to me. I've been on teams where players will come and say, okay, you know what? It's done. It's over with. You, you said what you said. Okay. Let's get back to playing hockey again. And uh, Evander Kane's emotional, and he let the, his emotions get away from him there, and it, it cost the, goal, or the Oilers a goal because that five-on-three yeah. turned into a goal for the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, 780-496-0063. We'll get to a couple more calls uh, in a couple minutes here. You're also going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl, who got the dramatic game winner as the Oilers take a 6-5 decision in Chicago. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Pulls it off the left wing all the way across to McDavid. Nice move. Goes to the net. Scores! Hat-trick goal for Connor McDavid. And the Oilers have a 5-4 lead. Go on to win 6-5 in Chicago. So much else happened in this game. We haven't talked a lot about McDavid's hat trick. I mean, rips one in in the second period. Mm -hmm. Incredible wrist shot. 
Later in the second, Stalock stops it with his helmet, but it flips up in the air. That's a weird one. Lands <laughs> on the goal line and, and flopped in, and then just a powerful shot five hole in the third. I mean, as fast as he is, he's got one of the best wrist shots in the league, too. He does, and part of it is the fact that he's going so fast. Right. It, it, just the velocity of that puck coming in. But it's funny watching the, the broadcast on television where Louis says, I started getting quiet in the neutral zone when when Connor had the puck because you had a feeling. Right. And it's true. He got the puck about his own blue line. He came full speed, and there's nothing you can do as a defenseman. You back in and hope that when you put your stick out there that the puck hits the stick, but the goaltender had no chance he scores the one off the, the helmet which is just an odd one yeah but the, the thing that y you look at how odd that was hitting the puck the helmet and going over and in but it was a one-timer off his front side so it's most one-timers we see with Leon Dreisaitl those are easy to hit the one that he has it's coming across his body pushing that way most players can't get much on it yeah those are ones that you one time from about three feet out to get across the goal line. He was about 15 feet out and had enough velocity on it that hits the helmet and still goes in. And then obviously the hat trick goal, just the one thing you cannot do on Connor McDavid is rush towards him. The defender, I believe it was McKay, but the defender came, came at him and Connor's like, all right, I'm gonna go around you. Now he's got a breakaway on the goaltender. He makes another wonderful shot, five hole. And Jack Michaels, our friend, called it early, said, I have a feeling this might be a big night for Connor McDavid, and it certainly was. All right, we got Abbas on the line, 780-496-0063. Hey, Abbas, go ahead. Hey, guys, that was an awesome game. I think I think this team is ready for, for like, the Battle of Alberta again. But the thing is, there was too many penalties in this game. And the thing is, like, you know, they were lucky they got to score on the power play, especially after the third period. But do you think this gives them a lot of momentum for the Calgary, in front of the Calgary Flames? Because Campbell was dynamite tonight, and he he's really awesome. But these guys really got to shape up from the penalty box. You're right. Uh, when you play against good teams, when you get into more important games, you can't have 10 penalties. You can't have six penalties. Right. Uh, that just takes players out of the game and puts too much pressure and stress on your goaltender and your penalty killing. So, yes, the Oilers, there's things that they can clean up from this game. But... 100% the confidence that they've had so far in this road trip, plus the last game of the homestand, they're riding a nice little wave going into this game against Calgary. Calgary is good. They have a very good club. I believe that Edmonton and Calgary are going to battle this year for first in the division and possibly first in the conference in the regular season. So these games are important. Only three games between the two clubs this year. Uh, it's going to be a big, big game. Now, here's another thing I'm going to throw out at you. Is it going to be Campbell on Saturday? against the Calgary Flames. I think Flames. it's going to be Skinner. Skinner, uh, in the two games, and again, Campbell, this is, he's five games or whatever into his Edmonton Oiler. He's going to be very good for this team. But in the two home, the two games on this road trip, Skinner was the better of the two. So do you go in? And it's not unprecedented. When the Calgary Flames came and played against the Oilers in Edmonton, they played their backup goalie and won with them. So I'm not sure which way they'll go with it, but it would not shock me, as you said, Reed, if Skinner plays. Having said what the question, though, the answer is, yes, there's, the Oilers are going to ride the momentum of these last few games into Calgary feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, and I mean, clearly they have... No, tonight's game was, it was, was wacky, but 
uh, again, there were times they weren't strong enough in front of their own net. Yep. Uh, and and uh, They gave up five goals. They gave up five goals. Now, again, I don't think the goalie is to blame on any of those. You, you, you want him to stop as many as possible, and he did stop a few. But I, I always figure you can always critique wins or pick away at stuff, but if you can put, but they won at the end of the sentence, Feels good. they still, they still yes. figure something out. But, yeah, I, I mean, there's uh, it's it's early in the journey, but at least they figured out a couple here. We got Glenn on the line as well. Hey, Glenn, go ahead. How's it going, boys? Good. Um, my thoughts, I, I wonder why, for me personally, I have been wanting the Oilers to have a power forward with snarl, scare, and score. And we finally have it in Evander. And, yeah, maybe he might have um, let it let me, uh, become a little bit loose tonight. But this is, we want this guy on his toes, on the edge, playing on the, on the edge of the penalties to be mo uh, his most effective. And we have run guys out of this town with all the harping and all this kind of stuff. And I know Evander's not going anywhere. It's too early for that. But we need a player like this, and we've been just begging. I personally have been begging for a player like this for the Edmonton Oilers for a long time. Cassian, you wanted to see Cassian possibly be that, but he's breaking down. So now we got a guy that's doing what we need, the hard, the hard minutes, doing the things, going into the corners where other guys don't want to go. I don't think we should give him, give him a hard time. What are you guys' thoughts? Okay, first of all, there's no comparison between Cassian and Kane. None. Kane is a, a star in this league. Cassian was a, a third-line guy that had a couple good cups of coffee playing in your top six. So uh, Kane's not going anywhere. I mean, but there's also things that you got to realize. You want him playing on the edge. Absolutely, 100%. And there's going to be penalties he takes. He's going to create space on the ice because sometimes he crosses the line. But there's a time to do it and there's a time not to. Um, tonight, mouthing off to the referee, taking a penalty, that's not being a power forward. That's crossing a well, line. Yeah, I have no problem with the chaos he created nope. in the in the crease. No, I have no no, and no. no one no one's saying anything negative about that. I mean, he was going to the net, and he I I still believe he accidentally, intentionally fell on the goalie. I have no problem with that either. And I think that he is going to be a big part of this team going forward, just as he was in the playoffs last year. The one, the penalty that I had a problem with is the, the unsportsmanlike conduct from the bench. And all players at some point do, do that. I've been guilty of it myself in the past, but those are things that you learn from. There's a time and place for everything. Yeah. Well, but, but I, I agree with uh, pretty much everything Glenn said. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we're talking about everything in the game, so yep. would you prefer a guy doesn't get um, unsportsmanlike? Yes, you would prefer that. Well, that's not being, that's that, not that being a tough guy on the ice. That's being emotional on the bench. Yeah. All right, we also have Warren from Kamloops on the line. Hey, Warren, go ahead. How are you doing? Good. First of all, I think that referee would have called an unsportsmanlike penalty if someone passed gas in in the face-off circle there were so many penalties <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's quite a take that's a good one <laughs> uh, i like way campbell's playing he reminds me of fear yeah he lets in one here and there and but he comes up big when it's the time he made some great stops tonight no he did he certainly did. We, once again, Reed and I have said that goaltending has not been an issue for the Edmonton Oilers this year. 
so but when Campbell's been in uh, his save percentage isn't where it wants to be and his goals against average isn't where it wants to be so at that point you got to say what's what the problem is and a lot of it is the Oilers have not been great defensively in front of him uh, I don't think the goals he's let in are ones that he wants back but there's still too many against yeah so that a lot of it is is on the team as a whole haven't done a good enough job in front of him in the starts that he's had this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you pointed out when we were watching the game on Kane's tying goal, uh, it looked like McDavid was on the wrong side of the ice. Yep. Because the Oilers had three forwards on one side of the ice covering two Blackhawks, and then which is great <laughs> if those guys get the puck. <laughs> but there was an open guy. Uh, I mean, Bouchard struggled in front of his own net. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they, they got to they got to work on some things for sure. But it would help too if you just didn't take penalties. Yeah. Well, ten penalties doesn't help. Yeah. No. And we t this is it's been ongoing. You for you them. brought this up right at the beginning of uh, during the preseason that they were undisciplined at times. And it, it, we said, well, as long as it doesn't carry over into the regular season, well, it has. And the others, that's one thing that they've got to clean up going forward. Uh, but I tell you, I'm looking forward to Saturday's game against the Calgary Flames. And if it's as nearly as entertaining as some of the games we've seen of, as of late, it's going to be a fun well, game that's, on Saturday. Uh, th yeah, that's because of the, the others, what, we're up to eight games now. They've lost three. And obviously, full credit to uh, who else won? Buffalo won and uh, St. Louis won. Yep. Now, the St. Louis game, they played well, but it was a relatively low game. But, like, t I look at Calgary, like, they actually, you know, stopped the Oilers. Like, the Oilers got within a goal in the second period after being down 4-1. And, and then, then, and then they, they pretty much took the Oilers out of the game. and Not totally out of the game, but they did a really good job in the third. They period. did. They won the one... Is this not? Now I could be wrong because I have no memory. Outside of empty net goals, has it not been a one-goal game every game the Oilers have played this year? No, they beat the Penguins. What was the final score in the Penguins? Uh, Six-three, right? Oh, okay, that's a one. Yeah, but Cloud got that late goal, but it wasn't an empty netter. But, but yeah, they played close games. It, it, that's why it's so entertaining because the the stress level is always high late in a hockey game when the Edmonton Oilers are playing. Okay, we got to run. The Battle of Alberta is Saturday. Face-off show at 6.30. The game will be at 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer tonight. Crazy one, McDavid hat-trick, Dreisaitl game winner with 37.6 seconds to go. 6-5, the Oilers win. I'm Abba Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.